I'm going to ask you to turn your Bible tonight in the book of Revelation, if you would. Revelation chapter 1. And uh, there's a whole lot we could say. And I'm going to try not to get all bogged down in just one thing here, and just uh, or a bunch of things. I'm going to try to stay on one thing here. And uh, I'll try to help us here tonight. I hope this will be a blessing to you. Revelation chapter 1. Let's, uh, let's pause for a moment of prayer. And then we'll begin tonight. Lord, we thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for your blessings. <clears throat> and now as we come to the preaching of the Word of God, I pray you'd help me this time. I need you desperately bad, as much as I ever have before. I ask you to give me love, faith, and wisdom in this message tonight. <clears throat> I pray, Lord, that you would help me to, more than all, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I yield to Him as best I know. Lord, you know today I've tried to seek your face to, to find the message you would have me to preach tonight. And Lord, as best I can, I've, I've settled down on this one thought. And now I pray, Lord, that you would help me. You know my desire would be to help these people who have come. And Lord, my desire is to be a help to Brother Todd. I know what I'd like to happen if I have a visiting preacher come and I hope I can be that for Brother Todd tonight. I ask you to help me now and I'll give you the praise for all you do in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. <clears throat> the book of Revelation is written by somebody by the name of John. John, of course, wrote the Gospel of John and he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and then he wrote the book of Revelation. He is the disciple whom Jesus loved, it says. And so he is a very precious person. He is the inner circle of the disciples. When we come to the book of Revelation, of course, the author is God himself, the Holy Spirit. And John is just the pensman that penned it down. The book of Revelation, many people think you shouldn't even read it. Matter of fact, <clears throat> there's some people, if you mention it, they'll just turn you off right away. But the very word revelation tells us that we can know what it's talking about. It's a revelation. It re it's a revealing. It reveals, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And uh, when Daniel, Daniel and Revelation are contemporaries of each other, and when Daniel wrote there in the Old Testament, God said, seal up those things. But when John wrote the book of Revelation, he said, don't seal them up. Reveal it. And so it's revealed to us. And so I could talk a long time about that. So I'll, I'll quit right there with that. I want us to look tonight, if you will, and we're going to read just a few verses, beginning in verse 7. The Bible says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindred of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
Here's a verse I want you to notice tonight. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send unto the seven churches which are in Asia, and uh, unto Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice which spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Here's the next verse I want to call your attention to. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girded about the palps with a golden girdle. And so I want us to look uh, at two verses tonight. I want you to look again with me or at two verses, verse 10 and verse 12. If you'll just look at that again with me. I was, on the, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice of, as of a trumpet, in verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, the book of Revelation can be looked at in many ways. We can look at the book of Revelation as worship. We can look at, at the book of Revelation as works. We can look at the book of Revelation as wrath. We can look at the book of Revelation as a wedding. We can look at the book of Revelation as a welcome. And you don't have to get excited tonight because I'm not going to use all those but I'm going to use one of those tonight, and I'm going to talk to you about this. I want us to look tonight at the word worship. And I believe if you will get that tonight, this will be a help to you. I want to talk to you on this subject, the Christ John worshipped. The Christ John worshipped. The word worship is found in the Scripture 178 times. 73 of those times is in the New Testament and 22 times in the book of Revelation. So if it's mentioned 22 times out of 72 times in the New Testament, you know that worship is important. There are, there, there are worship scenes, there's scenes of worship that we see the word worship in the book of Revelation sometimes is not used, but the scene of worship, we see the activity of worship. The Bible does not tell us much about heaven. I, I, I hope you get this tonight. I love to talk about heaven. The Bible doesn't say a lot about it. It don't tell us exactly where we're going as far as the spot, but I know it's heaven, but it doesn't tell us a whole lot about that. But when we get to where we're going, to heaven, I do know this. I know a little bit about this. I know about, I know about why we're going to go to heaven, and I know, I do know this, when we get to heaven, the main thing that we'll be doing in heaven is worship. We're going to be worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think you've seen this before. I have lots of churches. Sometimes you'll go, come into a church, and as you're coming through the door, just like these entrance doors back here, sometimes there'll be a sign over the top of that door, and it'll say, Enter to Worship. And then when you leave the service, there will be a sign over the door that says, Exit to Serve. 
Now those two things cannot be divided. Get that with me. Worship and service cannot be separated. For wherever there's worship, there will be work. There will be service. As you study the book of Revelation, and I love this, in chapter 1, the focus is on this, the Christ who John worshipped. When you come to Revelation chapter 2 and and chapter 3, the focus is on the churches John wrote to, the letters he sent to them. Now I wonder, why did John write first about the worship, the God, the Jesus we're to worship, the Christ we're to worship? Why did he write first about that, and then secondly, write about the work the church were to follow? Now, now, we're not going to get into all the things about the churches tonight, all those seven churches. We could spend months on that. So we're not going to get into a lot about that. But this is what I want you to see. The major problems these churches had, just about every one of those churches had some major issues going on. Are you with me? They had some major problems happening in their life. And as these churches had these major problems, I'm going to tell you this. There's not a problem that they had that could not have been fixed or corrected or taken care of if there had been genuine Bible worship going on in that church. We are failing in worship and we're failing to do what God wants us to do. And the reason why much of it is, is because of worship. So worship will fix any problem these churches had. And if worship would have fixed any problem they had, guess what? Worship will fix any problem this church has or any problem my church has. Worship will take care of any problem in the church. Jesus, in His 40 days of temptation experience, when He went into the wilderness, and there in the wilderness He was tempted for 40 days. At the end of those 40 days, the devil came unto Him, and He said to, to Jesus, if, thou will, if you'll worship Me, I'll give you all this, all these things. And, and the Lord answered him back. And by the way, the devil is still after that. The devil desires to be worshipped. That's the reason why he got kicked out of heaven. Say amen right there. And so that's what the devil is after. But Jesus answered him by Scripture, and this is what he says. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shall thy Serve. You see those two things together? Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shall thou serve. You can't separate those two. They go together. Uh, the overflowing thing of worship is always service, is always work. How, listen to this, how in this day that we live in, we're living in a pretty wicked day. How in the day that we live in, when there's so much pushback, how in this day that we're living in, when there's so much hatred for God and Christianity, how in the world in this day that we live in can we go on and serve the Lord and be what God would have us to be? The way we can do that is that we will need to work on our worship and we'll have to worship the way the Lord wants us to. If we ever worship the way God wants us to, all that other stuff will take care of itself. We must worship. We must get our worship in order. There's a lot of churches who met yesterday. And they had a big time. And they did a lot of jumping and a hollering and a kicking. And a, and a lot of stuff went on. But they didn't worship. I'm telling you. 
There's lots of things that are named about worship. Now, I'm not against, I'm not against people being emotional. I'm, I like it. I like it. I was, me and, me and Vigan went, I took her to the doctor last week, and I was talking to her nurse. And she was telling me that she was, went to a church, and her husband went to a church, and so her, his, her church she's going to was too emotional for him. So she went to his church. And she said, I told her, I said, well, I like that shouting myself. I like it. I said, we shout a little bit church. I don't mind that shouting as long as God's in it. Now, when God's in it, that makes it all different. And sometimes people shout, though, and God's not around. But I'm telling you, true worship, true worship will lead to change in, in your life. Thank, thank God for that. It will change. We need to work on our worship. Now, I want you to notice something here, if you will. The first thing I want to say to you about this tonight, and we're talking about the Christ that John worshiped. The first thing I want to see tonight is a voice which John is arrested, a, full, a voice by which John is arrested. Now, before I go any farther tonight, I'm going to tell you, what I'm going to talk to you about is too big for me. I wish I was a better preacher. I wish I, we, we could do you a better job, but I, I can't. I'm going to do the best I can, but it's too big for me. What I'm going to talk to you about now is way past me. I'm, I'm going to try to help you, though, best I can, but I wish I could do better. But this is what I'm going to say to you. Watch, watch this, verse 10. The Bible says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, geographically, John was on the Isle of Patmos, but spiritually, he was in the Spirit. And the Bible says in verse 10, he heard a voice like a trumpet. Now look with me in verse 15. And the Bible says in verse 15, And his feet was likened to fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. So in verse 10, it says his voice like a trumpet. Verse 15, it says, His voice is like many waters. Well, what would you do if you heard that kind of a voice? A voice that was like a trumpet and a voice that was like many waters. Now, John, I won't tell you what happened to him. It brought John to a standstill. I mean, it stopped him right in his tracks. But to John's credit, he didn't run away. He didn't try to get away from this voice. The Bible says he turned to see the voice. Now, listen to this. You can't see a voice. You, there's no, you can't see a voice, but you can see where the voice is coming from. You can see the one who is speaking. Now, this is what I want, listen, I want you to listen to this night. You better be careful what you do when you hear God's voice. What have you done with the voice of God? Do you remember a time in your life when you heard a voice beyond you? A voice that you knew was the voice of God. The word used to describe the voice of God here is many in the Bible. There's many things that God uses about His voice. You remember Elijah when he was running from, uh, from Jezebel and he went out there and he got under a juniper tree and then he went to a cave, and the Bible says as he did that, 
the Bible says there was an earthquake and then there was a wind and God wasn't in the earthquake and He wasn't in the wind and there was a fire and He wasn't in the fire. But then the Bible says there was a still, small voice. God's voice is not always the same. God's voice speaks to us in many ways. Does God speak? Yes, God speaks. This is the big thing. What does God say? What does God say to us? When you go to hear somebody preach, you ought to hear God speak. But what is God saying to us? He spoke to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, he spoke in a voice that he could understand. Belshazzar, he saw the writing coming out on the wall. He spoke to him. In the days of Pentecost, God spoke on that day. The people understood it. Matter of fact, there was people from all over the world there, and everybody heard them speak in their own language. I mean, they weren't speaking in tongues and somebody interpreting. This guy over here was one language. This guy over here was another language. This guy back here was another language. This person back here was another language. But everybody heard him speak. Nobody needed to interpret. That was the voice of God. He was speaking to him. Saul of Tarshish, on the road to Damascus, he was struck down by a light. And as he was struck down by that light, and he was rehearsing that story in Acts chapter 26, and this is what Paul said. He said, He spoke to me in the Hebrew tongue. I want to say to you tonight, God knows your language. He knows how to speak to you. Listen, ever how He needs to speak to you, He can speak to you. God can talk to you, and He can talk to you in a way you can understand it. God does speak, and when He does, you will know it's God. Now listen to this. God's not run out of methods to talk to you. God knows how to speak to you. There's sometimes that you try to talk to people and they don't hear you. But I'm going to tell you, when God speaks to you, it's clear. It's very clear. And it doesn't matter if you're a Chinese or German or Japanese or American. or It, it doesn't even matter if you're a hillbilly. God speaks to you in the language that you can understand. Say amen right there. Now, now we're going to visit some places tonight where God had something to say. And what he said. In the book of Genesis chapter 3, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Verse 8. But uh, we find in the first chapter of Genesis, ten times is recorded this, and God said. That's the ten commandments of creation. And God said, and it happened. Now, here in, in Genesis chapter 3, and verses 8 and 9, in the Garden of Eden, the voice of God was heard in the evening, in the cool of the day. I believe prior to this time, every, every, before the fall, before Adam and Eve fall, prior to that, every day God walked in the garden, and every day Adam and Eve walked with God. Now, I don't know what all that consists of. I don't know what all that was like. I really believe that that's what really got Enoch's attention. I believe Enoch walked with God. The Bible says he walked with God. You see, Enoch was alive. Adam was alive when Enoch was still here. And I believe one day Enoch and Adam were walking, 
And there was a flaming sword there that wouldn't let him go back in the garden. And maybe Cain and Abel might have even been there with him. And Adam said to him, that's where we used to live, boys, before your mom eat us out house and home. Say amen right there. <laughs> but anyway, I, I believe, I believe old Enoch might have said something like this. What, what was it like? Adam, tell me. What was, it, what was it like living in that garden? And Adam began to tell him about what was like in that garden. Maybe he talked about the fruit of the garden and the peace in the garden and the, and the animals in there. But then he said, but son, son, let me tell you the best thing about the garden was every day in the cool of the day, every day God came down in the garden and He walked with us. I don't know that's true, but I believe that really, I believe myself, that really pricked up something in, in his heart, in Enoch's heart, and he started walking with God. He wanted that same experience. Now, now I know on this day, this familiar voice came into the garden, and this was heard. Where art thou, Adam? At this time, I'm sure they ran to see Him, to be with Him, to walk with Him. But today was not like that. Today, they didn't make no response. Matter of fact, they hid. And I'm going to tell you something. When you hide, there's always guilt. When you're trying to hide something, you're trying to hide something from God. There's guilt. There's guilt in your life. There's something that you know is not right. It is impossible, however, to hide from God. God didn't say to Adam, where art thou in order to find out where he was at? He knew where he was at. He just wanted Adam to come out and admit it. But when people hide, that's, that's a bad thing. But the voice of God was heard in the evening in Eden. In the book of Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2, Moses had been in the land of Horeb, and he had been working for his father-in-law, and he had been tending his father-in-law's sheep there for 40 years. Think about that. He had been down there for 40 long years down there in Horeb. And all of a sudden, this bush got to burning, and it didn't burn up. And uh, all of a sudden, there was a voice that came out of that bush. The Bible says, that Moses turned aside. He's doing the same thing that John did. He sees something unusual. Instead of running, he turns aside. The same thing John did. Now, the Bible says in, in Micah chapter 5, and verse 2, "...whose going forth have been of old, uh, even from everlasting." And so we know this is the pre-incarnate Christ talking to him. So we see the voice of God was heard in the, in the evening in Eden. We see the voice of God was heard in the hush of Horeb. And then in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 5, when, when power is being passed from Moses unto Joshua, Moses had died, and he was going from one leader to another. And there, in that time of crisis, in that time of critical time, and any time power is being passed, that's a critical time. And so it was a critical time, and the voice of God was heard in the passing of power. 
So we see it was, was heard in Eden, it was heard in Horeb, it was heard in the passing of power. And then Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, this is the most evangelistic prophet in the Old Testament. It's more evangelistic than the other four, and because it has so many evangelistic passages. But here in this passage, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, the Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. And you say there's no voice there, but in verse 8, the Bible says that the voice of the Lord spoke to Isaiah. And you know, Isaiah said, I can't go. He said, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, I can't go. I'm a man of unclean lips. And that servant went and took a coal from off the altar and laid on his lips. And he said, here am I. Send me. I'll go. When God does something for you, that makes a big difference. Say amen right there. And so we see here that the voice of God was heard in the crisis of a country. They were in crisis. And I don't know where you realize it tonight, but this country is in crisis. We're in big crisis. And if ever we need to hear the voice of God, it's now. We need to hear God's voice. Matter of fact, I think God's speaking to us, but some people don't want to hear it. And some people don't hear it. They, they, get, they close their mind to it. We need to hear the voice of God. So that's some places we hear God's voice. God speaks all through the Bible. Now, I'd like for us to go to the New Testament. And I'd like to hear, hear the voice of God in the New Testament. And I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about the, the, the sufferings of the Lord when we hear the voice of God. Have you ever heard anybody preach on the seven sayings of the cross? I've used that before. I've preached on that during, during Easter time. I've preached on that seven sayings of the cross. But someone preached on seven sayings of the crowd. One of those was, If thou be the Christ, save thyself. And there's seven of those. But here's the seven sayings of the cross, God speaking. God said, Father, forgive them. Well, they know not what they do. That's big. That's big. I'm telling you, I, I don't know that I could, I could have done that. I don't know that I could have done that. But Jesus, He's God. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. The Bible says also, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. There was one surprise thief. When he awaked that day after he died, he woke up and all of a sudden... In paradise, he was with the Lord. And then there's a saying, Woman, behold thy son. As they stood at the cross, there was Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Jesus looked down to her and said, Woman, behold thy son. He, he called her woman. He wasn't disrespectful to his mother. And then he said to John, Behold thy mother. What are you saying to John? I want you to take mom home with you and take care of her. Why didn't he give her to one of those other disciples? Why didn't he give her to one of those Peter or James or, or one of those? No, he chose John because John was the disciple whom he loved. He was closer to John than anybody else. And he knew John would take care of his mom. I don't know where you realize this or not, but it had been a wonderful thing to have Jesus' mother living in the house with you. Can you imagine them sitting around the supper table talking about the things of Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us about his early life, but I bet John knew about it. 
I bet his mama talked about it and revealed that to him. I bet that's a great time. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how it must have felt? Can you imagine being there at the bedside when his mother was dying? Can you imagine that? I was at my mom's bedside just the day before she died. The next morning was church. I was in church and my sister was there. But I, I, I wish I'd have been there. Uh, Kathy said she was just reaching out and all of a sudden she just, she just closed her eyes. She, she saw something. Can you imagine that would be like Mary as she was dying as, as the death rattle was in her throat and the dread, death sweat was on her brow and all of a sudden she looked up and she says, Hello, son. Wouldn't that be something? I'm telling you, wouldn't that be great? That's a wonderful thought to think about. And then he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We hear the voice of God saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can you imagine God the Father and the Son for the first time? The Holy Trinity is separated. And then he said, I thirst. He thirsts. He was thirsty that you and I would never have to. And then he said, It's finished. That word, it's finished, is a cornet Greek word. It's finished. The word is to tell us that. And that, that Cornet Greek word is said in imperfect tense there. And uh, it's like this. Uh, this word was used when a Greek painter would paint a picture, and if he was perfectly, perfectly happy with that picture, he would step back from that and he'd say, Tetelestai. Tetelestai was the same word used if a, uh, somebody was in prison and they owed a debt they couldn't pay, and somebody paid that debt for them, they got a piece of paper, a parchment stamp, and they'd be walking down the street and somebody would say, where do you think you're going? And they'd show them that paper. They'd just have to let them go. Same thing. Uh, the telestai is the same word used if somebody had a lamb that was born and they'd look over that lamb for days and they'd try to find a spot or blemish in it. If they couldn't find any spot or blemish, they'd say to telestai. The telestai is the same word used if a, like our Marine Recom or Green Beret would go in battle and uh, fight like that if, there was, if they would be the first ones into battle. Back in the days of battle, back in Bible days, there would be like our Green Beret or Marine Recom. These people would have battles and uh, they would have uh, standing on the border of the cities and countries would be like moms and dads and children. And if the battle was out there, and all of a sudden, these, these, these first ones went in there, and the battle was just overwhelming. It was, it was just so overwhelming that there's no way the enemy could rise up against it. There would come a runner running back to the city as fast as he could. And, that, and when he got in sight and he saw those people, the first thing he would say was, the telestai. And they would know the battle was so great that there was no way they could lose. And the people would shout on the, on the shore. Jesus, or on the, on the borders... Jesus, on the cross of Calvary, when He died and said it's finished, He says the price is paid. The debt has been settled. The victory has been won. There's no way that anybody can rise up against it. Praise God. To tell us die, it's finished. It's over. There's nothing you can add to this. I'm telling you, that's the voice of God saying, it's over. It's over. It's finished. Your salvation has been paid for in full. Praise God. I'm telling you, Jesus saved me. I didn't do anything to get saved. I'm not doing anything to keep saved. He saved me forever. Praise God. Isn't that great? And then uh, 
then also a saying from the cross says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And the Bible says he bowed his head and he, he died. I'm thankful that those, uh, those times of suffering, we hear the voice of God speak. In Acts chapter 9, verse 4, again, the New Testament, Saul of Tarshish. He said this, On the road to Damascus, this light shined about him. And there was a voice came from heaven that said, Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? What? Yeah, why persecuteth thou me? I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting the church. I'm persecuting those people who are in the way. Those people who are trying to change things. No, Paul. When you persecute the church, you're persecuting me. I want to tell you something tonight. If you were to say something to Vicky or jump on Vicky tonight, you're going to fight me too. I'm just telling you. Now, I, you, you can say a lot of things to me. I won't bother you much. But you get to bother her and I'll punch you in the nose. I'm just telling you. I, I, and if that's not good enough, I'll get a stick. And if that's not good enough, we'll go to higher ranking things. Say amen right there. And I'm telling you, that's the way God feels about His bride. That's right. Why persecuteth thou me? That's right. That's, right. that's how He feels about it. I had a missionary one time come to church. And he said some bad things. He was treating his wife awful. And he said some bad things about Vicky. And I'm going to tell you, that guy ain't never coming back. You say, I, I, what about forgiveness? Let somebody else forgive him. He ain't coming back. I'm telling you, that guy ain't never coming back. He's not going to persecute my bride and act like an idiot and never expect to come back. Say amen. And I'm going to tell you, you cannot walk on God's church and expect God just to turn his head. Now, you can do a lot of things in this old world against the church, but there's coming a reckoning day that God will deal with you about that. Now, I'm telling you about that. You say, you say something about the church, you say something about Jesus. I'll tell you what Paul did say. He said, Who art thou, Lord? He knew from that time on ever who he was, he's going to be, going to be his Lord. last thing I'll use tonight is this. This is found in John chapter 10. You can be turning there if you'd like to, because I want to... I want to use this a little bit, and I'm, I'm almost through. I'm almost through tonight. Watch this. John chapter 10, this real familiar passage of Scripture. We hear the voice of God on the road to Damascus. John verse 10, chapter 10, verse 1. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. What's this? To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. We find that here, the voice of God is heard among His sheep. He calleth His own sheep by name. They know His voice. Look at verse 4 and 5. And when He putteth forth His own sheep, He goeth before them. And the sheep follow Him, for they know His voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from Him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I think that's wonderful. 
That's the relationship we have with our shepherd. Look in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and are known of mine. Isn't that good? Now look in verse 22. The Bible says down there in verse 22, and it was, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of dedication, and it is written, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, then came the Jews around about him and said unto him, How long doth thou make us to doubt? If I'll be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I've told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe me not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all. And no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are one. We see the voice of God speaking to His sheep in John chapter 10. Isn't that great? I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thought. Now listen. Uh, I've never heard the voice of God speak like John heard Him speak. I've never heard Him speak like the voice of a trumpet. I've never heard Him as the voice of many waters. But I can tell you this, I know God has spoken to me, for I've heard Him. And when I heard Him, it was more than the preacher. The preacher was preaching, but I heard the voice of God. It was more than the preacher. I tell this sometimes, and I'm not going through the whole story, but Brother Donald's brother, Hal, they used to request prayer for him all the time. He'd come to church occasions, not much. And uh, God put him on my heart, and one day I passed by his house, and uh, uh, he was getting out of the car, and uh, I pulled in there real quick, talked to him, and I talked to him just a few minutes, and he said, Preacher, I ain't got time to talk to you today. I've got a cow back here having trouble. And, he's, and I said to him, I said, Hal, I'd like to go with you if you don't care. He kind of looked at me funny, and he said... Because I was kind of dressed up, just like I am now without a coat, just tie and shirt. He said, you'll, you'll get dirty out there. I said, I don't care if you don't care. He said, well, I don't care. So I walked back through there with him. Coming back, we did find trouble. And I'm hurrying this because I want to get to this point right here now. I'll be through. Uh, coming back through the field, we stopped and catch our breath. We was coming back to call the vet. And I asked Hal, I said, Hal, has anybody ever shared the plan of salvation with you? He said, uh, no, not that I know of. I said, did you let me do that? He said, yeah. So I just did the normal thing people do, you know. I know people fuss about this. They say you're not supposed to do this, but it works sometimes. I, I'm, not, I'm telling you, it's not, I'm not, I wouldn't recommend this to you all the time. I mean, I know salvation is more than a plan. It's more than a prayer, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. Amen. Using the Word of God is a good place. So I just went down the Romans Road, all sin, come short of the glory of God and all that. I'd recommend that to you. Use that. So I got down the end of that, and I said, how if I'd pray with you? You pray and trust Christ? He said, yeah. I said, okay, let's pray. I led him in prayer. He prayed, I prayed. Well, I got through praying. I said, how did you trust the Lord? He said, I don't know. I said, well, I'll tell you, if you don't know, you didn't. I didn't know what to do. I, I was at wit's end. I didn't know. So I, I, I 
I called somebody. No, you know, I phoned a friend. I said, Hal, I said, can I pray with you again? He said, yeah. I started praying, and I asked the Lord if he would help me, if he'd come and help me in this soul-winning endeavor. And all, all of a sudden, the voice of God came walking out through the field. It wasn't me now. But all of a sudden, somebody else showed up out there. And I looked up, and Brother Howe was weeping. He was crying. His chin was quivering. His eyes were filled with tears. I know that doesn't mean everything, but that helped me. I said, How, if you pray and trust Christ right now as your Savior, He'd save you. Guess what? I didn't have to lead Him that time. He just took off praying by Himself. And when I got through praying, and he got through praying, I said, How did you trust Jesus as your Savior? He said, Yeah, sure did. Yeah. I said, You mean you got saved? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty confident about that. I said, When? He said, Right now. Right here. Got saved right now. I said, That's great. And then I got to crying. I said, Well, you need to tell somebody. He said, Let's go. I said, Where are you going? He said, I'm going to go call Donald and tell him right now that I got saved. You see, has God ever spoken to you? You may have never heard a voice like John or any of these other people, but if God ever speaks to you, you'll know it. You'll know it. There's a song. I, I meant to look for that. I don't know if it's in your book or not, but I was going to look for that, and I forgot it. There's a song that goes... I'll be somewhere listening, somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for your name or for the Lord or something like that. That's where we need to be tonight. I sure wouldn't want to miss the voice of God, would you? If God is speaking to you tonight in any way, I'd respond to that. I'd say, God, what would you have me to do? I'd be like Paul. Here is the Christ who John worshipped in the book of Revelation. What a name, what a name. Well, I saw something else. Uh, I'm going to quit. I told you I was going to quit. I'm going to quit. I might use that, use that some other time. Uh, no, I told you I was going to quit. I'm going to quit. If God's speaking to you, I'd like for you to come tonight. Is he? It'd be, it'd be a good time. If you want to play or whatever you want to do. Todd. If I can help you pray about something, I'd like to do that, Todd. You need him. You know, the only, time, the only way we'll really have worship or have revival if we worship God. Worship may not be jumping up and down. But it might be. But that worship is your relationship with the Lord. When you see Him, and you see you, and you see that you're not like Him at all, 
and you see that you, God allows you to have a personal relationship with Him. And God Almighty, God of Heaven, comes close to you and allows you to talk to Him and walk with Him. Oh my, I don't know about you, but I, I want that. I want that, but I talk. Amen.